On today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we talk about the disciple, Peter. What is up, everybody in the Digging In family? Welcome back to another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons from Series. Holy cow, guys, it is snowing. Man, it is, listen, it's March, uh, what, 16th today? When I, as I record this, it's March 16th, and that bothers me because um, I'm ready for summer, man. This this whole snow thing, I haven't skied in a few weeks because it hasn't snowed, so the snow is really icy up at the mountain, and I'm like, just ready for summer, thinking about backpacking and all that kind of stuff, so whatever. It's snowing. I'm sitting here in a nice office area with some windows. So whatever, I'll, 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 uh, I'll recover. I'm sure, <laughs> but Hey, welcome back to another episode of the digging in podcast lessons from series. So excited that you're here and so excited that you are making it. I think a few episodes ago, I, uh, met, managed to say that it was episode 70, but that's just not the correct math whatsoever. Episode 70 will be our last episode of this week. Um, but it's not actually episode 70. So <laughs> anyway, here we are on the third episode of the disciples week. We're learning from each of the disciples, not every single one of them, but several of them. We've looked at their immediate response. And then we've looked at their like just casual acceptance. It feels like it's so casual, but their acceptance of having a transformed life of this deep belief, this overflow of their belief in God, and that they're just okay with the fact that this Jesus of Nazareth is telling them just to come with him. And they're okay with the fact that he's going to transform their life. They're okay with the fact that he ends up transforming their life completely, that they don't go back to being fishermen ever again. As far as we know, they commit themselves to the non-paid, persecution-heavy life of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, James is killed by the sword. Uh, both Peter and Andrew are also killed as martyrs. And John is about to be killed, but God saves him from that moment. And Philip and Nathaniel are also both killed. I mean, basically every one of the disciples, except for John, is killed because of their faith. And so they went from being just fishermen and, and tax collectors and just regular lay people of the world to just being completely and totally transformed by Christ, so much so that they were willing to die for what they believed. That just seems so far-fetched and so uh, so away from our world today. And so today, I really want to bring it home <laughs> on the idea of it's not really that far away from us. And what I mean by that is we're going to look at perhaps the most human of all the disciples. And that is because his character is just on full display for us in all four gospel accounts. And that is the, the disciple named Peter. Peter gets ragged on a lot these days. We, we call him king idiot or the dumbest of them all or whatever. But I just want to level <laughs> with old Peter because he's considerably more faithful than uh, I am at times. And uh, in all reality, most of the time. And also the guy literally died for his faith. He went from being a regular old kind of nobody dude to someone who was willing to die for his faith. So I'm going to go ahead and say the guy's got something figured out and that we should stop ragging on him a little bit. <laughs> but hey, before I do anything at all, uh, let's go ahead and grab our Bible, our pen, and our paper, and let's dig in. 
Father God, it's just a real simple, uh, real simple prayer today. Be with us. Help us to be humbled, yet aware of the story of Peter, and help us to really, truly know what it is that you want us to get from his story, what it is that you want us to learn about yourself, as well as to learn from Peter. God, we love you so much, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, the story of Peter. Man, this is a uh, this is a tough one for a variety of reasons. Primarily, it's tough because I don't know where to make you read. <laughs> Ultimately, I've, I've come down to uh, three passages that I want you to look at, these three passages of, of which several are pretty well known. But we're going to dissect them a bit, and we're going to take an overall overarching view of exactly the story of Peter. So we're going to look at an early and then a kind of middle ground important one that we all know. And then we're going to look post-Christ, post-resurrection at who Peter became and who Peter, um, I mean, who Peter really turned into. And that's going to be a massive trajectory for us. And that's going to be a a massive trajectory for us for our lesson today. So uh, with that in mind, here are your three passages. Make sure you are prepared to write these down because they're in different places. First one, real simple, real short. (laughs) Mark 8, 27 through 30. The second one is actually uh, Luke 22, 31 through 34. So another short section of verses there. And then our final one, this is the future Peter, and this is 3.11 through 4.22. Whoa, (laughs) big jump. We like four verses at a time, four verses at a time, a whole bunch of verses. That's right. Uh, This is, again, a very important pathway that I want us to go on. So we've already looked at that initial transition from regular guy Peter into a disciple of Christ Peter, right? We looked at that. We looked at that in our our very first uh, episode of this series. And so we've already seen that one. And then we're going to look at this other pivotal moment uh, with Peter as being the first disciple to recognize Jesus as who he is. And then we're going to look at another moment in which we all know um, it's not the, the denials of Peter, but it's actually Jesus predicting Peter's denial. And then from there, we're going to look at the future Peter, that is after Christ, after the resurrection, as he appropriately responds to the life life transformative work of the Holy Spirit being within him and how he takes that and is a witness to the world um, out of his overflowing, lovely belief of who God is. So why don't you guys read those three sections and then join us back for our discussion. All right. So the first one, Mark 8, 27 through 30. Once again, we've already looked at that early story of Peter just being, you know, the brother of Andrew, essentially. He was Simon Peter, Cephas, and then God changes his name. Jesus changes his name, says you are now just called Peter. So we've seen that life transformative moment begin And we go from that moment to experiencing a lot of Jesus's early ministry. We see a lot of uh, the work that Jesus is doing in healing people and preaching and teaching. Uh, We see him uh, doing, I mean, a little bit of miracles here and there. We see some, some really cool stuff. He's challenging the religious elite of that day and age. And all this while, he's got disciples all around him. And one of the ones who's been there since the beginning is Peter. 
So Peter uh, finds himself smack dab in the middle of everything. And what starts out his story is that he's quiet and unnoticed. And he seems to be just a random added person to this whole equation. And then as time goes on, Peter develops and Peter becomes the most trusted um, alongside James and John, the sons of Zebedee. He becomes the most trusted of the disciples that even within the 12, there's an inner three with with Peter, James, and John. And so uh, as we open up to Mark 8, we're looking at a lot of ministry time has actually passed. And what we're seeing is Peter step up into his potentially into his first moment of genuine leadership within the entire group. So it says, Jesus and his followers went from there to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, whatever you want to say. As they went, he asked his followers, who do people say that I am? And they answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others say you're one of the early preachers or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. He told them with strong words that they should tell no one about him. Now, that last verse, I'm not going to hit on. It's that verse 30. Uh, this is Jesus making the secret gospel or the secret kingdom. At once, he was pronouncing it and saying, everyone needs to know. And then now he's like, wait, don't tell anybody that I'm the Christ yet. It's not, not the right time. <laughs> but what we see here in this moment is, is Peter is, well, he's amidst these other disciples as they say, who do the people out there say that you are? The people who aren't with me like you guys are, who do they say that I am? I'm like, well, they think that you are John the Baptist, even though he's been arrested. Um, they think that you're Elijah, even though he's dead. Um, and they think that you're one of the prophets of old, that you've come back. And now the Old Testament speaks of, I will send to you Elijah before I come back. There's this idea of, oh man, um, you know, maybe this guy is really like, maybe he really is this Elijah coming back and that God is coming back soon. And But no one's willing to admit that he's the Messiah because he doesn't really look, act, and sound like the Messiah that they, that they all imagine. So they're unwilling to admit that he is the Christ. But the people that are with him, he says, who do you, my disciples, my 12, who do you say that I am? And now Peter, whether he's speaking for the whole group or he's speaking just for himself, he steps up and says, you are the Christ. And the fact of the matter is Jesus basically says, yes, I am. And then as we move forward in the story of Peter, he holds to this view so tightly. Like he, he holds to it so closely that he is so completely and totally in love with Jesus and he believes Jesus to be the Christ. But then what happens? Well, what happens is the story that we all know, the story that every single one of us knows about Peter, the reason he gets ragged on so much, which is going to be Luke 22, 31 through 34. Now, this is, again, this isn't the exact story. This is uh, a version of the story, which is Jesus foretelling that Peter will actually be the one to deny him three times. So he says, Simon, Simon, not Peter, Peter. Not Cephas, Cephas, but Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and 
to death. I'll do it. I will do it all. Just remember, that's that zealous. He's just, he's so on fire for the Lord. He says, I am willing to go to prison for you. I'm willing to die for you. And then Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. In other words, the rooster being the alarm clock of the morning, he's saying, the rooster and his morning alarm clock will not go off until you've denied me three times. Not saying that once you do that, then he'll crow. What he's saying is the next day won't even start. And by the time that has happened, you will have already denied me three times. And that's, uh, some, that's, an, that's an intense word. It's a really intense word because he literally just said, no, 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 I, I'll, I'll do it. Like, you're the Christ. Remember, remember when I said that? And then he's like, and now he's like, I'll go to prison for you. I'll, I'll die for you and with you. And he's saying, no, you're going to deny me. And what do we know? He does. Indeed, we know that Peter does deny him. In fact, one of them is like this little 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl. He's sitting at a charcoal fire warming up his hands because it's cold outside. And one of the, this little 13 year old girl goes, Hey, aren't, aren't you like one of that guy's disciples when Peter, when uh, Jesus has been arrested, aren't you one of that guy's disciples? And he's like, who that guy? Yeah. I don't even know him. No, I'm not one of his disciples. He totally denies Jesus. And then it happens again and then again. And then he finds himself in a position where he's actually denied, denied Jesus, the Christ, the one he said is the Christ. And he's denying that he even knows him, denying any relationship to him. Now, here's where the ragging starts, right? He says, yeah, but earlier, Peter, you were so into it. So were you really, were you really in love with him? Did you really know or are you just making a guess? And we start ragging on him. We start beating him up and we're like, man, Peter, Peter is the biggest dummy of them all. He didn't actually know what he was saying. He didn't take seriously his faith. I'm going to push back on that in every possible way. Peter knew exactly exactly who Jesus was. He was the first one to know because God revealed that to him. He was zealous. He was on fire for God. He loved Jesus. In fact, we find out so much so that later on, after Jesus has been resurrected in the book of John, we read that he was out fishing with the guys, spending some time out in the, in the natural world and returning to fishing because Jesus has died now which is crazy because they're like, oh, I guess I'll go be a fisherman now. And he sees Jesus on the shoreline as they're out on the water. And he jumps into the sea and he swims as fast as he can to meet Jesus. He loved Jesus. He felt horrible, I'm sure. I mean, imagine the quiet time, the quiet days after Jesus' death, knowing that he had denied him. And he spent several days without seeing Jesus resurrected thinking, I can't believe I've done this. Complete and terrible sorrow, mourning and lamenting. And then Jesus returns and he swims as fast as he can to see him. He says, I do love you. I do love you. I do love you. And so we beat, we're beating up a human being for being a human being when we ourselves are human beings. How often in your life, have you looked a situation or a person in the eye, known exactly how Jesus would treat them, or maybe you just didn't really know, or you didn't even think about it, 
And you would treat that situation or treat that person not like Jesus would. How many times did it happen to you? It happens to me almost every single day, even with my most loved ones. And ultimately what that means is I'm denying Jesus. I'm denying Christ in me. Because when, when my wife asks me, hey, can you come help me unload the dishwasher? Not, hey, can you go unload the dishwasher yourself? Can you literally just come in here and help me unload it? We'll get it done really quick. And I'm like, ugh, seriously, we have to do that right now? And, and like that's my response. Jesus would not make that kind of response. But I did. I'm denying Christ. And I'm denying Christ's rule and reign in my life and his design for marriage and that we would sacrifice for one of specifically that I would lay myself down for her. And I'm not even doing that in the littlest of ways. And so it seems simple and small, but we're beating up a human being for beating a human being when in reality, he's more faithful than a lot of us will ever be. How do I know that? How am I absolutely certain of that? Let us step into our final section, that last grouping of verses um, in Acts. This is the future, Peter. Guys, if you did not read this, I'm, I am begging you to read this because you've looked at a Peter who was silent and then transformed. You looked at a Peter who was zealous and outspoken that Jesus was the Christ. And then you looked at a Peter who denied him who was scared himself to die and didn't want to be caught up in the whole mess of Jesus being arrested. So he lied and denied. We saw Jesus swimming, or we saw, uh, we saw him swimming back, Peter swimming back to shore to meet Jesus at the end of the book of John. And now we're looking at a Peter several years after Christ's resurrection. And what do we see? We see him preaching the gospel. He stands in a very common place, a very, an area where a lot of people would have walked through, and he, and he completely and totally preaches the gospel. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm telling you, if you did not read this, you have to read this. Because what happens is he preaches the gospel. He does not shy away from anything. He does not pull punches from anyone. He goes straight at it and straight at everyone who is listening. And then not only that, a group of people come and they're like, well, we can't have this. So they arrest Peter and they arrest John who is with him. And as Peter and John then go to be, you know, go to the place in which they'll be arrested and then tried, what do we see? Well, we see them not standing or not uh, backing down. They don't back down. Verse 8, this is 4, verse 8, Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So he's already preached the gospel. They, they healed someone. Peter and John, Peter, by the power of God, healed a human being. 
And then after this healing, he preaches the gospel. Then he's arrested for his beliefs. And then standing in front of these people, instead of being silent like a lamb before the shearers that Jesus was, he says, no, I'm not having that. Here's the gospel again. It is only by Jesus can we be saved. It is only by Jesus this man was healed. It is only by Jesus that I'm standing here preaching to you. So after a slap on the back of the wrist, they're forced to let them go. And what we find out later is that Peter is then killed. Some say that the traditions say that he was put onto a cross and hung upside down and killed upside down on a cross. He was martyred for his beliefs as well. So why am I bringing up this trajectory? Why am I quoting so many areas of scripture? Why am I bringing up so much stuff about Peter's life? Because he's the most human of us all. He was a regular guy doing regular things who was transformed by Jesus. He began to learn and grow in his faith. And as he did that, Jesus left him. And as Jesus was on his way out, he was so scared for his life. He was so scared that if he admitted that he knew Jesus, that he would also die. He wasn't mature in his faith enough yet to take his faith seriously enough to actually count it as everything, that it was worth dying for. He said it was worth dying for, but in reality, he wasn't ready to die. And then after Jesus dies and is resurrected, the blanket statement or the big statement, whatever you want to call it, of Jesus, you are the Christ, becomes so totally real to him that he does everything he knows how to do to commit his entire life to serving Christ. He does it even after Christ's death. He does it so well that he moves into this position of becoming the person by which the entire early church is started through. That his faithfulness and his unwillingness to back down leads him to help lead the Christian church and does it in an amazing way. Guys, this is the most human story possible. How often do you find yourself not taking your faith seriously? Or how often do you find yourself forgetting about your faith? And then, and then simultaneously, th- there's some time that goes by and then you're so serious about your faith. Your faith means everything to you. You make every decision based on your faith. And then as time goes on again, you fall into other traps. You worship other things and worship other idols, your job, your significant other, your comfort. You, you worship these things and so your faith falls by the wayside. But then I ask you, but how many of you have stood up in the face of enemies, in the face of death, and continued to preach the gospel? No matter what, with the threat of death bearing on you, knowing that other Christians who've done this have been killed, did you continue to preach the gospel? Have you ever found yourself in that position? For many of us, especially in America and the Western church, we have not found ourselves in that position at all. Yet we bag on Peter as if he's just some Joe Schmo who doesn't really care about God but says he does. No, 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 no. He just happens to be the most human, the one on full display for all of us to see. But look at the lessons of of Peter. Look at the lessons of Peter. 
He is a regular guy transformed by Christ. He's willing to be transformed by Christ. His heart is changed. He no longer has a heart of stone, but he has a heart that God is working on and changing daily. He's given the Holy Spirit so that he can heal, so that he can preach, so that he can lead. But he doesn't do any of this by his own power, but by the Holy Spirit living within him. He doesn't back down from anything. His faith becomes his most important and his most cherished characteristic. But he's just a regular human being. In fact, in fact, like I, I view Paul as like a higher version of him still. Like Peter is still so much more human than Paul because Paul feels like this incredibly impossible person to imitate that he has to be one of the most faithful human beings to ever live. And yet, Peter is more human than him. Peter is less imitatable. And yet, we don't have to try to imitate Peter because we are Peter so often. And so, my, my begging question today, my begging question is, do you really, truly know what it means to follow Christ? And secondly, do you understand that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the capability, the same capabilities that Jesus had on earth to resist temptation and sin, to fight against evil, to preach the gospel all over. Do you realize that that same power that rose Jesus from the grave, from literal death into life, that that same power is living within you? Do you realize the Holy Spirit? Peter did. Peter understood it. He believed in God. He trusted in God. And the transformed life that he was living only got more and more transformed. So today, allow the transformation that God is doing to actually take place in your life. And then don't just run away from it. Don't sit by a charcoal fire and deny that transformation. Rather, Dive straight into it and beg that God would continue to change you that, and beg that God that beg to God that he would give you the boldness and the courage to live out your faith in a way just like Peter did. Be bold, be courageous, be full of faith and love for God. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us in our next episode as we zoom in on the story of Paul.